you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of your career and life, to starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. Do you sometimes feel stuck or frustrated because you aren't making enough progress towards your goals? Well, today's session is all about looking at the bigger picture and playing the long game. Hi, I'm Andy Storch, your Summit host, and I'm excited to introduce you to our next legendary speaker. Dory Clark has been named one of the top 50 business thinkers in the world by Thinkers 50 and was recognized as the number one communications coach in the world by Marshall Goldsmith leading Global Coaches Awards. Dory teaches executive education at Duke and Columbia, and she is in the Wall Street Journal bestselling author of The Long Game, Entrepreneurial You, Reinventing You, and Stand Out, which was named the number one leadership book of the year by Inc. Magazine. And Dory Clark's latest book is called The Long Game, which is all about how to take a be a long-term thinker in a short-term world. Dory, I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for being here. Andy, so glad to join you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been uh, an admirer of yours uh, for some time. I remember reading Stand Out uh, years ago uh, as I was just starting to make my own entrepreneurial, start my own entrepreneurial journey and build my personal brand. And I have been chipping away, consistently building that for many years now. And I often reflect on how far I've come and this idea of playing this long game. And then you come out with this book. Um, But I want to start with something you say in this book and as this has come out is that we live in a short-term world. So why do you say that? Well, I I think there's a micro and a macro to the short-term world. The macro you can read about in the newspapers every day. You've got executives at Wells Fargo and Volkswagen and, you know, all all of the places you can tick off the litany who made really poor choices. And uh, it wasn't because they thought it would be better in the long term. It was because they were optimizing for the short term at the expense of the long term. But the truth is the same principles often apply in our own lives. And for anybody who has gotten a little too stressed out about the fact that everyone else seems to figure it out. Why is it that, that they're getting promoted and I'm not? Why is it that things are moving faster for them and it's not for me? All of, all of those things can begin to eat away at us and our self-confidence. And unfortunately, it doesn't, it doesn't really help anything. There's a tendency to believe that there might be a, a short-term magic bullet. Um, we know, of course, on one hand that there's not, but on the other hand, there's a sneaking suspicion that well, maybe there is, and I'm the only one that doesn't know about it. And so I wanted to create a book, uh, a framework for smart professionals trying to do good things with their lives and good things with their careers to really help contextualize all of this and hopefully offer encouragement and some strategies that people could follow to help them in what is not always an easy pursuit of playing the long game and being able to run your own race and get through the hard part to get through the part where it feels like, oh my gosh, no one's paying attention. Oh my gosh, maybe this isn't working at all. Um, That's the part you have to get through in order to get to the other side where you can actually enjoy that success and make the impact and make the difference that, that you want to. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. It's interesting that you mentioned Wall Street. I've been investing in stocks for more than a decade now. And I, I've always laughed and kind of noticed how many companies, most companies, once they go public, are catering to that quarterly cycle. We've got to beat the quarterly earnings. And it's very rare that you see a company that's truly taking a really great long-term view. Uh, and that's why Jeff Bezos and Apple was so special because he always basically said, I don't care what you think about my quarterly earnings. We're, we're going after the long view. Um, and we want people out there to think about that for their own careers, right? Um, but a lot of people I feel like are feeling really stressed and anxious right now. Burnout is uh, kind of at an all-time high. A lot of people on the verge of that um, with you know, and yet there's so many different opportunities available to people. What are you seeing as you're out there speaking and teaching and working with different people? Oh, you're absolutely right, Andy. I mean, the pandemic was in many things, uh, you know, you, you hear this, but it's certainly true in terms of uh, these questions around, around burnout and being overextended. It was an accelerant to trends that were already underway, but it moved them forward by a decade, if not more. Uh, so, you know, remote work was a thing before COVID, but not much of a thing. And now it's dominating our conversations. And certainly, People were busy before COVID. People people were stretched, and then during during this period of time, uh, almost everybody gets stretched to the breaking point because of the demands about whether it's supply chain issues, whether it's entire industries freezing up and collapsing overnight, whether it's other industries uh, getting completely overwhelmed and overtaxed, and people having to homeschool while they're doing mm -hmm. it. So we are definitely at a place where people are stretched so thin, it's easy to get stuck in short-term thinking. I think this is, this is the key. It's not that short-term thinking is bad. There's a place for it. When you're in the middle of a pandemic or some other crisis, that's great. Yeah, short-term, do short-term thinking all you want because right. you do need to pivot. You do need to change things and be willing to blow up your plans and react and respond. But that is no way to live your entire life. Right. We need to do something different. We need now that, you know, God willing, we are slowly coming out of this process. It's time to correct uh, the imbalance that has sprung up and to break some of the habits that we all got into. You know, during COVID, we may be, we, you know, some of us were um, stopping exercise. Some of us were drinking too much or eating too much ice cream or whatever it was. Those are bad habits that we need to stop. And short-term thinking is a bad habit that we need to stop. And we need to put a stake in the ground and actually be willing to create a forward-looking future vision once again, because we need something to aim at. Yeah, I was going to say, <clears throat> you say we need to reorient ourselves to a bigger picture so that we can tap into the power of small changes that will have enormous impact on our future. I wonder if you could expound on that because you're right, there's this short-term hit, 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 this is happening. I need to catch up. I need to do this. Uh, but you're advocating for really zooming out and looking at the bigger picture. Yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, it is not impossible that we can achieve our life goals through a series of just consistent short-term thinking, but it's highly unlikely, <laughs> just statistically, because right. if all you're doing is responding to external stimuli, it would have to be a massive stroke of luck if they all ended up leading inexorably to the life conclusion that you want. Uh, it is far more likely that we are going to have success if we actually have 
a North star that we're pointing toward. And that doesn't mean that things are going to work out perfectly, that, uh, that everything is, is going to unfold in exactly the way that we predict. In fact, it's more likely that it's not things change, things happen on the ground. But if we at least, you know, I, I think of it, um, the way that the military does, right? They have a concept called commander's intent. And the reason they call it this is that when you were on the battlefield, there is an understanding that conditions change very rapidly. If you had a precise plan that involved, you know, somehow taking the left flank, well, wait a minute, you know, what, what if the left flank is not available to be taken? You don't want your military to be paralyzed and say, oh my gosh, I can't take the left flank. What should mm -hmm. I possibly do? The commander's intent is the overarching intention it's, you know, capture the hill. Okay, you can't take the left flank. Take the right flank. Do something to get the hill. And we need to think that way in our own lives. And it, But it's, it's having the commander's intent. It's having the long-term objectives that we know that we're striving for. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like you mentioned that some people can get to their goals with this short-term thinking. Um, but it reminds me, you know, a big reason why I wrote my book on your career, on your life is because I've worked in corporate consulting for more than 10 years, worked with leaders and executives all over the world. And I just observed so many people drifting along through their careers, operating in reaction mode, waiting for that next thing, just going for that next thing, that next thing, and not really taking time to reflect and sit down and think about where do I want to go in my career? What do I want to be doing in a few years and actually map out a plan with specific goals for how they want to get there. Um, and I find that when people are a lot more intentional, when you have that clarity in mind of your vision and where you want to go, it makes it a lot easier when those big decisions come up, when those big opportunities come up, when that recruiter calls, when the business opportunity comes, or you get laid off and you got to figure out what to do next. Have you seen the same? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's that's exactly right. It's about laying laying that groundwork and then being able to take advantage of opportunities, like you say. Now we are in a world where we hear all the time about things like the magic of thinking big and uh, the 10x rule was popular from Grant Cardone and taking massive action. Uh, but you argue for small changes to help us make progress towards our goals. Tell me more about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing wrong with taking massive action. God bless. Right. The problem is that most of us really can't do that because people are busy or people have commitments, they have obligations. And so if we set up the paradigm like, okay, the choice is you either take massive action or you do nothing. If people say, well, I really don't even know how I'd take massive action, then the logical choice is, well, I guess you do nothing and you do nothing to change your life or your circumstances. That is very unsatisfying to me because I believe that there is a lot that we can do to change our life and our circumstances. And I think about our careers very much like investing. You know, almost anybody who knows anything about investing has, has heard and read that a small amount of money invested early on is going to be worth a lot more than you know making huge deposits once you're 50 because it has time to grow and to compound. And similarly, if you're waiting a really long time, you're you're going to have to do massive action because you know you've you've got to you know change the the ship and turn it on a dime. But if you actually start now, if you start today, wherever you are, but in small ways, the time's going to pass anyway. And so it's a question of, all right, you know, you just, if you tilt the ship by one degree, you're barely going to notice it. But over time, the compounded effect of that is huge. And this could be anything from 
you know, substituting, you know, drive, if you're driving in your car, instead of listening to pop radio, listening to personal development books, you know, that's, that's a small thing. It, mm-hmm. it you know, it doesn't matter, you know, you know, in a, in a month, you're not going to notice in a year, you're not going to notice in 10 years, you are going to have an entirely different mindset. You're going to have an entirely different worldview because you will have read so many books. You know, I say read in air quotes and been exposed to so many ideas. And, you know, similarly, just reorienting ourselves in small ways uh, can be very, very powerful. Yeah, I've experienced that for myself, you know, got into personal development about six years ago, um, started making small changes, um, you know, establishing healthy habits, like reading for 15 minutes every morning, um, listening to, you know, personal development podcasts instead of sports radio, whatever it may be, uh, meditating every single day. And that stuff has added up over time to make me the person that I am today and help me achieve a lot more success by uh, following guidance from people like you and others, uh, but also investing that time day by day and not, you know, it didn't happen overnight, but, you know, slowly and surely, surely, but surely uh, over time, these things add up and, and lead to, to big changes and, and massive success. Um, I want to get into a scenario um, for the person who is listening that is really unhappy with their career right now and wants to do something different, but really doesn't know what to do next. You know, they want to make a big change, um, but realizing that, hey, it, it might start small. What, what would you say to them? Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of different ways to, to look at this question. So the, the first thing is to determine whether or not you have a sense of what you want it to be. So for instance, if you are interested in making a change in your career, but there's maybe half a dozen things you might do and you're not sure which, and it might feel like, oh, but I can't make a change until I know which of the things. And, you know, that can become paralyzing. So in that instance, this is something I actually talk about quite a, quite a bit in my first book, Reinventing You. Yes. Um, one of the, the great uh, kind of counterintuitive strategies that I suggest is actually don't focus on figuring out what's right for you. Focus on figuring out what's wrong for you. If you have too many options, the first job is to narrow it down. So look for, re- look for disconfirming evidence. Look for reasons not to move into that area. And then over time, what you will be left with is one or two really good options that seem promising. That's, that's one key piece. And the second one that I would say is you can find ways, even if you're sort of miserable in your job, to try to harness things to be joyful. And just as one example that I share in Reinventing You, I uh, profiled a woman who is a, a, a sort of disgruntled lawyer, uh, you know, not, not that there's many of those. Right. <laughs> and uh, she, she was just really not happy with what she was doing every day. She had to kind of slog through it. But what she did, which I thought was really, um, you know, smart, was she made her days enjoyable by scheduling lunch meetings with people. And the lunch meetings were informational interviews. And so, you know, almost every day she would have set things up, you know, with either colleagues she knew or referrals from colleagues she knew so that for one hour a day, she was meeting somebody. And number one, it was an interesting conversation with a new person, which she liked. But number two, she felt like it was bringing her one step closer to her goal of not being a lawyer anymore because she was learning about different cool people with their careers and seeing what would be right for her. And indeed, eventually she met somebody who was telling her about her career and she said, oh, you know, like that's it. That's what I wanted to do. 
And she discovered it. Um, she ended up becoming a career advisor for uh, graduate school students, uh, including law students. Uh, mm. And that was a much better fit for her. But she learned about it through this campaign. But it was a way of, of keeping herself motivated, even when she was doing things she didn't really like. Yeah, it's such a great example. And it reminds me of all the things that we can and, and should be doing to help us with that next step. Like, um, you know, figuring out what it is that we want to do, narrowing down the options you mentioned, uh, doing some networking, right? Talking to different people. And while there's a lot of people out there talking about follow your passion, I'm a big fan of follow your curiosity. And it seems like in that example and probably others that you share, uh, it's really about, hey, I'm curious. I wonder if there's something that I should explore. Let me go check that out and have some conversations. And um, I'm wondering, you know, on that note, how does this idea of curiosity fit into everything that you are talking about with playing the long game? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm right there with you, Andy. It's true. In the long game, uh, I actually have a, a section where I talk about a concept that I call optimized for interesting, which is, uh, which is very similar to this. Ultimately, I agree. I think follow your passion. I mean, again, nothing wrong with it, um, but it does become problematic because there are so many people that maybe don't know what their passion is, right. or maybe they have you know multiple passions, or uh, maybe, frankly, this is true with a lot of high achieving people, they've been working so hard for so long, they just don't even know. They have no idea. They're like, I don't know, I work, that's what I do. Right. <laughs> so it can feel very provoking to be like, well, what's your passion? <gasps> you don't have a passion. Oh, how sad for you. And, you know, I just, I, I, I hate the kind of shame, the passion shaming yeah, that can come right. or if you, from it. If you follow your passion, you'll never work a day in your life, right? It's, it's going to be effortless. That's right. But what I like about the idea, you know, optimized for interesting is ultimately it's a lower bar. I think in a lot of cases, we really need a low bar to get started. Almost anybody can tell you, even if they're tired, even if they're burned out, even if they don't know what their passion is, they can tell you what they're interested in. You know, you can say, um, hey, Andy, golf, yes or no, interesting? And you're probably going to have an opinion, you know, and a lot of different elements, right? You know, personal development books, yes or no. For you, it's a yes. For some people, it's like, God, no, you know, but you can be guided so that you can at least move in the right direction of something that at a basic level is interesting to you. And the secret is just, if it stays being interesting, keep going. If it mm. doesn't, fine, you can pivot, you know, no, no problem. We have to hold things lightly. Yeah. Now, when you're trying new things, you're getting into a new job or a new career, that next phase, um, you talk in your book about things moving in cycles of two to three years, right? And that we've, we've got to move away from expecting things, you know, the quick results, right? It's going to take a little bit longer um, for people that are getting into a new role. Do you, do you advocate for really like sitting down and setting a vision, kind of a long-term goal of where you want to be? And is that two to three year time horizon, is that the right time to be looking out or is, should we be looking even farther? Well, I, I think it's a little bit both. And uh, in fact, a story that I share in my book, Entrepreneurial You, uh, is about a guy named Lenny Achan. And Lenny, actually, he just got a new job. He was just appointed the CEO uh, of a really cool medical nonprofit. But back when I profiled him, he was working as the chief communications officer for a hospital system. And the way he got this job, I was uh, so interested to find this out. A lot of people were kind of buzzing about him. They're like, oh, wow, he rose so fast. Mm -hmm. And so finally I met him and I asked him one day, I'm like, well, how did you do it? And he's, he seemed very surprised. He's like, oh, nobody ever asked me that. 
He said, it was, it's simple. I just pre-wrote my resume. And I said, like, what does that mean? <laughs> How do you pre-write your resume? And I loved what he said. He had a concept where every year he updated his resume, but instead of doing it the regular way where you're updating your present day resume, he would write a resume as though it were five years in the future. And he would talk about what his current job was, what the responsibilities were, and most critically, that he would fill in the details about the jobs he would have had in between here and there. And it enabled him essentially to create a reverse engineered framework of how to attain his goals. So it wasn't just this like vision boarding, like someday I'll be president. It was literally uh, him saying, all right, if this is my goal, what are the necessary preconditions? What, what training do I need to get? What responsibilities do I need to fulfill to show people that I'm qualified for it? And it gave him a roadmap. Oh, I love that. Uh, pre- uh, you said pre-updating your resume. So thinking about where you're going to be, it's kind of visualizing what your resume or your LinkedIn profile is going to look like a few years from now. Now, um, I've been working with some people on this and I got a question the other day um, from someone in one of my courses that, hey, you know, it, it's easy to sit down and write down these big goals and say, I want to achieve X in five years. I want to be a vice president and here's all the things I need to do it. How do we help people stay on track? Because once you get into it, I find I call it the messy middle or the nitty gritty, whatever it is, like to keep going day after day, week after week, month after month to make sure that you hit those goals. So beyond just writing it down and getting started, but how do we stay on track to achieve those big goals in the long game? Yeah, well, there's, there's a couple of ways that we can do it. I mean, the first, of course, which, which often is pretty helpful is to build in forcing functions. And what I mean by that specifically, I mean, okay, you want to go to the gym, Andy. Hmm. How are we going to get you to go to the gym? Well, we can rely on your willpower or you can hire a personal trainer and prepay the personal trainer so that if you skip the appointment, I mean, you're allowed to skip the appointment, but you're going to be standing someone up and making them feel insulted. And also you're losing a hundred dollars anyway. <laughs> so yeah. if you're setting up those conditions, it becomes much less likely that you will miss a gym appointment. So looking for ways that you can pre-commit, that you can lock yourself in to accomplishing whatever, whatever the particular goal is, is one really useful strategy. Uh, another is Something that Teresa Amabile, who's a professor at Harvard Business School, talks about, she wrote a book called The Progress Principle, and she and her collaborator, Stephen Kramer, did a lot of research into what keeps employees motivated, what keeps people feeling happy and fulfilled and you know, like, like they're doing what they should be doing. And what she realized is that the number one determinant is if, on a daily basis, somebody feels like they are making progress even very small progress in service of a goal they consider meaningful. So it is not, you know, yes, if you can do 10x massive action, then do it by all means. But if you're busy, if you have a lot of commitments and a lot of obligations, and it is really hard even to find the time, then do five minutes. Because even if you are doing a very, very small action, if you are moving the ball forward, it is the sense of positive forward momentum that keeps us motivated. Mm, I agree with that. You know, having that progress gives us that sense of fulfillment. And I think the consistency of showing up and doing things uh, every day. And I'm curious, you know, for your own career, I know that 
you know, when you started out, you're in a different, very different place than maybe you would have imagined many years ago. Um, but you've also achieved a lot of success with uh, all of your books and speaking and, and everything else that you're doing. Uh, what are a couple of things that you've been doing consistently over the years to keep you moving forward and, and making progress on this in this long game? Yeah, well, thank you. I, I appreciate it, Andy. Certainly one thing that I have been doing pretty assiduously for the past decade is creating a lot of content. Um, I, w- one of the, the central tenets, I've done a lot of research around the question of how do you become a recognized expert in your company or in your industry? And one of the key components I believe is content creation, because it's really hard to know, to get known for your ideas if people don't know what your ideas are. So you have to somehow be putting yourself out there so that they are discoverable to other people. So, you know, at, at first, um, you know, I've, I've written more than 250 articles for Forbes a number of years ago. Uh, I stopped writing for them in 2015, but I did other things. Uh, I've written about 200 articles for Harvard Business Review um, for the past, you know, 15 months or so. I've done a weekly interview show on LinkedIn Live for Newsweek. Uh, I've appeared as a guest on many, many hundreds of podcasts. Um, all of all of that's uh, available on my website if people want to check it out. But yeah. Part, part of what makes it valuable is it compounds over time because when, you know, for instance, if a reporter wants to talk to somebody that's an expert on such and such topic, the first thing they're going to do is what any human being does, which is they do a Google search right. and they see, you know, who's written about this, who's been interviewed before about this. And so if you are somebody who has created a lot of content in a particular vertical uh, over time, that adds up. It, you become more discoverable, and then that actually increases your competitive advantage because people say, "Oh, you know, she, she's top of the search ranking, so she must have an idea what she's talking about. Let's call her." So I, I would say consistent content creation has uh, been a key part. Yeah, that that's been big for me as well. I mean, I've had two podcasts for more than four years, hundreds of episodes, and um, written a book and all these other things. Um, and I think what you're speaking to is developing that authority, right? Where you become this go-to figure. And and one of the things that I talk about in my book, and we're talking about in this summit, is building your brand, your reputation. I think authority goes with that. So I guess the follow-up question I would ask is, you know, for the corporate professionals that are hearing you talk about this, and you know, you're talking about things like Forbes and Harvard Business Review and Newsweek. I mean, these seem like yeah, unattainable or hard to attain things for the average corporate worker who wants to develop a little bit more authority, maybe get some content out there. What do you recommend? Yeah. So in the beginning, um, sharing your ideas can be uh, as subtle as just speaking up more in meetings. Mm. <laughs> a lot of us don't even do that. Uh, so let's share our ideas in the room. That's useful. Um, but it can be volunteering to host a lunch and learn at your company if there's a particular area you've been researching or looking into, or if you've developed a methodology that might be helpful to colleagues, that's a great way of doing it. Uh, A lot of companies have intranets uh, where people can post articles or information or um, just share share ideas. Uh, Many companies have a newsletter. They are often very hungry for people to contribute to the newsletter. So if, again, if you have a perspective about something, if you have helpful tips or strategies or case studies, um, these are great things that you can share. If you want to do it more widely, um, you may, you know, of course, talk with your, talk with your boss, talk with your comms department, but uh, there may be an industry conference where you could apply to speak on a panel or uh, present uh, some kind of a workshop to talk about ideas that you've developed. 
all of those things really redound to your benefit and showcase the fact that you have unique ideas and are eager to make a contribution. Yeah, I agree. And I'm a big fan of leveraging LinkedIn as well, which is where everybody in the, the working world is. And you know, you can you can post on there, you can comment on other people's content, and you don't even have to come up with your own original content. I'm a fan of, you know, just making posts about the content that you're consuming. I read this interesting article by Dory Clark in Harvard Business Review or Forbes, right? And here's here's what I learned. Or I just watched this awesome session between Andy Storch and Dory Clark. Here's a screenshot and here's what I learned. Hint, hint, right? Uh, and uh, this is what I got out of it. And it just showcases that you are someone who is curious, you're learning, right? You're growing. And I think that makes you attractive to you know future potential employers. And it shows that you are developing your own expertise and authority in that space. Absolutely. Yes. Right on. So uh, Dory, you mentioned your website um, and uh, I know that you've got a lot of great content there. Um, for anybody watching, listening, I'd love for you to share where's the best place for people to go to get the new book as well as any of your, your content. And I'd love for you to share one more tip for people that, um, you know, something they can do now to help set them up for success in the, the long term. Yeah, that's, that's great. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. So I will say for folks who are interested in, in the long game, uh, you can actually uh, get links to figure out where to where to buy it. You know, most of the most of the places one can buy books, <laughs> but also to download a free long game strategic thinking self assessment at doryclark.com/longgame. And for a tip about how to get started and how to dive into this, one of the places I actually begin the long game is with a look at how to create more white space in our lives, because the truth is. Even if we have the best of intentions, it is very, very hard to do long-term thinking when we feel so overrun and so overwhelmed mm -hmm. uh, by our schedule and busyness and, and things like that. And so there's actually been some really interesting research out of Columbia University by Sylvia Baletza and her colleagues about the fact that, you know, one of the challenges, right? We know what some of the challenges are. It's, you know, too many meetings, too much email. Uh, that's true. But there's another challenge, which is that actually in our society, uh, we have, um, we've kind of, you know, as with a lot of things in our society, we've kind of taken things a little too far and busyness has actually become a form of telegraphing status. Mm. And so we so often, you know, Oh, Hey Andy, how are you doing? So, so busy. busy. Yeah. <laughs> and really what this is, is a humble brag. Yeah. And I think one of the things we can, we can start now you know, change begins within, uh, we need to stop treating it that way. We need to actually start changing how, who we idolize. We need to start changing the fact that, that being so busy is a thing to, uh, to brag slash not brag about and really try to reframe things for ourselves. Because if we don't, if we continue to equate busyness with being in demand, with being worthy, with being successful, then we're going to be operating at cross currents from ourselves. And frankly, we're never going to get out of it. Yeah. Uh, I was in San Francisco about 10 years ago. I attended a talk by Greg McEwen when he was coming out with his book, Essentialism. And he talked about that. And I swore I would never use the B word ever again. When people are asking me, how are you doing? I would never say busy. Um, I try to think of any other adjective to describe how I'm doing what's going on in my life. Because 
everybody's busy. We all have stuff going on, right? Um, but we want people to realize you get to choose how you spend your schedule and busy does not equal successful. Successful is doing work that you love, right? Feeling fulfilled, working in a career that, that lights you up. And we want to help more people do that. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing all of that advice with us today. And, and Jordan, we covered a lot of ground. We talked about why you wrote your book and what's going on in the world. We talked about what you're seeing in the marketplace and all the stress and anxiety that's out there. We talked about orienting ourselves to the bigger picture uh, and taking small steps to add up to big changes. We talked about what to do if you want to make a job change and the importance of narrowing down those options because there are so many opportunities out there now. We talked about following your curiosity and taking a long-term view of your career. Um, you mentioned the idea of pre-updating your resume to think long-term and how to stay on track to achieve your goals. We talked about building in enforcing functions um, and people feel happier when they feel like they're making progress. You talked about the importance of progress. Uh, and you also shared some of the things you've done consistently, like creating a lot of content to help you become more successful and some things that um, our audience, people in our audience in the corporate world can do to create content and build more of authority. And you also talked about the importance of creating white space to do bigger picture thinking and set yourself up for long-term success. Uh, so Dory, thank you again for being here. I really appreciate you and your time. Uh, and for all of you watching, listening at home, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. I hope you got some value out of this. Hope you took some notes. Um, and I hope that you will schedule some white space time to do some bigger thinking and take a long-term approach to your career. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you in the next session.